So I wanted to, you know, one of the things that you always have to do as a Christian, as a pastor, as a theologian, is you always have to uh, apply the Bible to today. And sometimes there's applicate there's passages of scriptures that you'll look at today and you'll say there's an application to this passage of scripture that I would really never have thought of. And I think that's the case uh, this weekend. If we look at uh, well, let me let me let me give you some statistics. Uh, today, as of today, three point wrap your brain around this. Three point five billion people around the world use the internet. Three point five billion people are on the net in some way or form. Six in ten of Americans, six in ten, sixty percent of Americans get their news from social media. And if you've been watching the news, it may not be the best place to get your news. But where is the best place to get your news? That's a whole other argument. Social media is a major part of our daily lives. Every one of us is leaving a digital, with your phone, with your computer, you're leaving a digital online history. For example, and I need to preface this, I am not holding up or putting down any political person here. But we knew, uh, we heard of emails of Hillary Clinton. They were leaked during the recent presidential campaign. Many people would say that was one of the reasons why she lost. We we also saw with Donald Trump past videos from 20 years ago, personal tweets, um, other verbal communication came to light during during the campaign, and it was talked about over and over and over. And you're going, Pastor, you're talking about it again, and I'm so tired of it. I just want to be done with it. But the point is, social media is here to say, here to say, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Blab, blogs, other forms of social media will continue to dominate our communication. One, did you know this? Um, I'm going to do this. How many, how many of you are on Facebook? Just raise your hand. It's not a bad thing. Well, I think it is, but no, no, it's it's not. (laughs) One, what? You're not alone. 1.7 billion people around the world use Facebook. 1.7 1.7 billion people, right? 313 million use Twitter. So uh, obviously you can see, um, as of October 2016, there were more than 321 million blogs. 321 million blogs and with 141 uh, posts, million posts. The point is, your words matter more than ever. Why? Because... Everything you say today is recorded. Everything. Now, that you know, I mean, my sermons are recorded. I don't want to go back sometimes and listen to my sermons because I'm going to say, did I really say that? That's actually a little bit heretical. Uh, But everything that you say now is recorded. Everything you type. Um, How would you feel if all of your online comments, your posts, your downloads... Your uploads, your surfing history was displayed on the screen right now. You know, you had the browser history. What if we were to see all, where you went on your computer this last week? What, what, what will we see? Well, we're going to look at this. We're going to see if Scripture speaks to this behavior. It speaks to our online behavior. Turn to James chapter 3. The book of James is in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, the chair Bible on page 931 has this passage. We're going to look at James chapter 3, verse 1. 
It's on page 931. And this is going to be helpful for us to look at, um, and we'll see how it applies to our lives. James chapter 3, verse 1, page 931. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. I think a lot about that verse. I really do. Indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever, wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses it to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with humility, with a humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous, and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up. Cover up this truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first. Uh, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. All right. So there's just uh, three points I want to draw from this passage. And instead of saying, consider the power of your words, I want to say, consider the power of your posts, your, your, your emails, your text messages, your blogs. Do you know this, that God gets all your Snapchats? He read, if you don't know, some of you are saying, what's a Snapchat? All right, don't get distracted. Ask a teenager, all right? God gets all your Snapchats. He reads all your posts. He looks at all your Instagram photos. He watches your Vine videos. He follows you on Twitter. And he reads your blogs. He also reads your comments. Everything. Everything that you've ever written, he's looking over your shoulder. He sees it and he reads it. You know what Jesus said one time? This is from Matthew chapter 12. He says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil, produ evil person produces uh, evil things 
uh, from a treasury of an evil heart. And then he says this. This is, this is verse uh, 37. He says, And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. I don't like that verse. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a, a sermon I'd like to do maybe sometime. All the verses I wish were not in the Bible, but they are. This is one of them right here. Because I'm going, to, I'm going to be, it's going to be a long, I was going to say session, it's going to be a seminar where the Lord's going to say, okay, you said this, what, did you, what, was, that, what was that all about? You know, it's interesting, James uses some interesting pictures, doesn't he? He says, he talks about a bit in the mouth of a horse, a small rudder on a huge ship, a tiny spark, it's such a great forest spark. What, are, what is the point of all these pictures? What is the point? Uh, the point is something very small has great power. Something very small has great power. If the tongue is used improperly, it can do great damage. Uh, This is your tongue. It's small but powerful. It's able to do great damage. Or it can bring healing, hope, and encouragement. Your tongue can do a lot of damage. Or it can do a lot of good. What's it been doing this last week? Do you follow your tongue lately? Yeah. The, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about our speech. No, let me give you a, a number of, a number of uh, verses. Uh, uh, Prov- this is Proverbs 18. And I'm just going to cherry pick some, uh, some Proverbs from Proverbs 18. This is what uh, the writer says. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. You ever have a conversation with somebody like that? Let me ask you this. Has anybody had a conversation with you that was like that? The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Rumors are dainty morsels that seek deep into one's heart. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Anyone guilty of that? I am. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Let me give you one more. Wise words satisfy a good, like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. See, your words can make or break your identity. If you call your child stupid or an idiot or dummy or some other pejorative comment you make, you're labeling them. Some of you were called that by your parents. Some of you called them about people that you respected and, they, 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 and you, you began to live that label. Some of you still struggle with it. Some of you are still finding a label that people gave you a long time. But you know, uh, I'm going to be real with you right now. And you say, Pastor, aren't you real with this every week? Well, no, I wasn't real with you last week because I wasn't here, but that's beside the point. Um, I'm going to be real with you. Um, so I was born with a lazy eye. In one of my eyes, I'm legally blind. And my eye will sometimes, when I'm tired, will go in. And uh, my dad tried patches. He was an optometrist. He tried patches. He tried glasses. Finally, I got, I think it was fifth grade or something, and I said, Dad, why am I wearing glasses? Am I ever going to, I ever going to get better? He goes, no. I go, well, then I want to wear glasses anyway. Now I wear them now because my eyes are, you know, I'm getting old. But that's a whole other thing. But when I was a kid, kids would call me crazy eyes. I still remember that. I still remember that. 
Did I like it? No. <laughs> no, I didn't like it. I still remember it. And, uh, but that's an example of what, la- what happens with labels, isn't it? Um, let me give you another one. In your marriage, words can either build up or tear down. You can, either, uh, you can stab your spouse with your words with cutting remarks. You see, your words either tear down or build up. And you know, I meet with couples on a regular basis, and when I sit down, I listen for the communication between the couple. I, in fact, I don't even have to be in a counseling situation. Sometimes I'm at an event, and I'm just listening to a couple talk about one another, to one another. And you can tell a lot about a marriage by the words that are used. Let me give you another example. Your words can destroy your career. Um, imagine this. Imagine that you, basically James says, your tongue is like a fire. You've got to watch it. It could do so much damage. Uh, imagine you just get frustrated with a boss one day and uh, you tell him off. Because you've been thinking about telling him off and now you tell him off. And you, you go in and you tell him off. And he says, okay, I guess you don't want to work here anymore. You're fired. So you go home and you tell your wife, well, I, I told the boss off. Well, how'd that go? Well, I got fired. Okay. What are you going to do? I'm going to look for another job. So you're going to write your work on your resume, right? You're going to fill your resume out, get your resume, get it in. You're going for an interview. One of the first questions they ask you is what? Why did you leave your last job? You say, because oh, I told the boss he was an idiot. Oh, well, we want to hire you. When can you start? You see the point here, right? You see what your words can do. And that's just, you know, it's a dumb example, but it may be truer than you think. The point is, Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. How many murders, how many suicides, how many wars have been started by careless words? You know, the Bible would never say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I've got scars all over my body. I had Carol take a, I had a sliver in my finger. I go, my finger's been bothering me. Is there anything? And she pulls a big sliver out. And I go, yeah, that's probably what it was bothering me. I've had hundreds of slivers. I've, I've had, I have scars. You, 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 you do too. And you say, well, what, where'd you, how'd you get that one? I have no idea how I got that one. But I remember somebody calling me crazy. I, I remember that. And you do too. You remember those words. So, so that, that statement is not true. Let me give you a second one. The example, uh, we need to examine the poison of our post. Some, some words are po- poison. James says that our words can be full of deadly poison. What kind of words are filled with deadly poison? And, and I would say there's two major categories. One is not truthful words. Words that just don't have truth. Now what do I mean by that? Truthful words are not non-poisonous. In other words, you tell the truth, it's, there's no poison. But when you, when you lie, there's poison. Lies, you know, and here's another way. You may not think this is a lie, but a lie is cowardly silence when you don't speak up and you should. And you know you should. How many of you have done that? You say, well, I don't want to say anything. I know this is wrong and it shouldn't be done. And, and, but you don't stand up, right? Silence can create an, an alternative reality. Exaggeration, spin. Indirect, like, listen, we just got through a campaign, right? I mean, I wasn't sure. Wouldn't it have been great to have a little meter above their head, like a little thing going like this? Truth, lie, 
truth, lie. I'm not sure how many times it would have ever gone to truth. I really don't know. But I would ask this question, what would it be if it was you? What would it be? What if you? What if every human being had a meter above them? Well, we'd we'd look for some smart guy that could tweak the meter, and, and right, we would we would do that. But we, but that's the way. James says this. But most of all, brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or by anything else. Just say a simple yes or no, so that you will not sin or be condemned. What James is saying there in chapter five is he's saying this. You shouldn't have to take an oath. Jesus essentially says the same thing in Matthew. He says, you don't have to swear on the, the gold of the temple, uh, you don't, uh, the throne. You, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your word be your word. Don't, you shouldn't have, you know, when, when, somebody, when somebody says to you, I swear on my mother's grave, you should just assume they're lying to you because they probably are if they have to do that. And, you know, the point is, uh, let your yes be yes. So truthful words are poison. Or non-truthful words are poison. Non-loving words are poisonous. I think we both err in that. You know, that's why the verse that Paul tells us, what does he say? Speak the truth in love. And we have to balance those out. So non-loving words are poisonous. Harsh, cutting words, uncareful words, unkind words, poorly timed words can destroy. How should we speak? How should we respond to others? Um, How do you speak to people who are difficult? Paul says in Ephesians this. He says, instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the church. Um, There is such a balance between speaking the truth and love. How do you speak the truth in love? Well, you know what? And this is one of the passages I talk with couples when we talk uh, pre-marriage counseling. I want to sit down and say, I want to talk about communication. I say, the marriage relationship needs to be a relationship where you're speaking the truth in love. If you're just speaking love, then you're saying nice things, but you're not really ever getting to the truth. But you can be brutal with the truth, right? You can have a relationship where it's just brutal truth, and there's no love at all. And that's just, that's tough. I mean, that's really grinding. And so speaking the truth in love means you say the, you say the right thing at the right time in the right way. The right thing at the right time in the right way. In other words, you don't say it the way you think you want to say it. You say, how would this best be received? Let me give you the perfect, and we don't have time to go there. Perfect example in the Old Testament is when Nathan the prophet comes to David, who has sinned. He's had a man murdered. He slept with his, this woman's, uh, slept with this man's wife, and he's trying to hide his sin. And Nathan comes to him, and he doesn't come and say, I know what you did. The Lord told me. You know, with guns blazing. He says, let me tell you a story. And he tells a story about a shepherd and a sheep and all that. You can read the story. But essentially what Nathan does is he comes to David in the right way, in the right time, with the right words. And, and out of that, David repents. You can read about that in Psalm 51. So speaking the truth in love, um, it's hard to do. You know, the, the Bible has a very interesting ber- verse. Um, in Proverbs 25, 15, it says something very interesting. And I think I have that verse. I'll have that verse on the screen. Uh, Look at this verse. It says, With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. That's an odd verse, isn't it? How can a soft tongue break a bone? What is he talking about there? I think what he's saying here is gentle words, 
have great power. They can turn a person, set in their ways. Gentle words can capture a heart. Gentle, thoughtful words are powerful. But do we think about what we say? Most of the time we're responding, we're reacting. Not just with our words, with our posts, with our emails. Have you ever sent an angry email and said, Oh boy, is there a program I could delete that before they read it? See, love without truth is a lie. But truth without love isn't truth and it isn't loving. Your words need to be truthful and loving at the same time. The right words filled with a balance of truth and love at the right time. So let me ask you a question. How's your communication been going? How's your email going? How's your texting going? How's your Facebook account going? Here's the last thing I want to mention. We need to seek to find healing for our posts. There's only one way to change your words. There's only one way to change your posts. See, it's interesting to me that James says the problem isn't your tongue. The problem is your heart. Um, your heart controls your tongue. Uh, Jesus said this. Uh, this is Matthew. You could write it down. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He says this. For whatever, where, whatever the, is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. In other words, what James is saying is your tongue at any moment is revealing your heart. It's showing where your heart is. Now, again, we're talking about our words, but now we're talking about where our words go. What are we doing with our words? Where are we posting them? Because they're not just said now, they're recorded now. So how do you deal with your heart? First, there's two ways. First, you deal with your tongue. Now, I'm going to give you an assignment. Here's yours. And this is for those of you that are brave. Okay, this is not for the weak hearted. This is for those of you who are brave. Here's what I want you to do. I want, to, I want you to try it for a week. Okay, try it for a day. All right, try it for a morning. And here's what I want you to do. All right, don't defend yourself or boast. Don't defend yourself or boast. And then number two, do not gossip. Or speak negatively about anyone. See if you can do that for a morning. And you will be shocked at what you find out about yourself. You'll be amazed at your own pride, your own insecurity, how you put people down, how untruthful and how unloving your words can be. You'll find that. You really will. If you're honest about it, you will do that. And maybe you need to get somebody to help you. You need to have somebody hear your words and say, if you hear me defending myself or if you hear pride coming out or if you hear me boasting, if you hear me gossiping about someone or speaking negatively about somebody, uh, let me know. Point it out because I may not see it. I may be so far down. And, you know, here's what I found. This is my own life. I can't speak for you. I find myself being much harsher with other people than I am with myself. I don't know about you, but that's what I find. I find that I criticize people about certain things, and then uh, as I think about it, I go, man, I'm a lot worse than that. So that's just, that's just with me. Here's what you'll find. 
you'll find that when you defend yourself, you won't be truthful. You'll also find that when, you, when you're talking about others, you won't be loving. That's what I think you'll find. If you do this exercise, you'll find that when you, you defend yourself, you won't be truthful about it. You'll give excuses to yourself. You'll say, well, they said this, or you'll justify it. You'll also find that when you put people down, that it w- you will not be loving. That when you talk about others, generally your conversation won't be loving. So you have to deal with your tongue, but also more, you know, another part of it is you need to deal with your heart. Behind the tongue is a heart, a heart that is hungry for acceptance, status, approval, and self-preservation. And your heart will do anything to fill that void, whatever it is. It may be approval, so you'll do whatever for approval. You, 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 you will do that. You will, you will, if you want status, you'll do acceptance, self-preservation. You'll, your heart, if it desires that, your tongue will follow your heart. See, only as you allow the gospel to speak the truth into your heart, that you're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And, but, but the good news is that you are far more loved than you can ever imagine. And a Savior has come to set you free, to forgive you, to give you purpose, meaning, significance, and status as His son and daughter. And when you begin to speak to your heart that truth, you'll say, I don't care what other people think about me, and I don't care what other people say about me. Because I know what the one most important person in the world says about me, and he's proved it with his behavior and his actions. He's given himself on the cross for me. So you don't have to defend yourself. See, I'll let Jesus defend me. That's easy to talk about. It's hard to do. You see, when you embrace him, you'll find your heart on the path to healing, and your words, your posts, your tweets will reflect a new heart. The problem is our heart. You know what the problem is with your Facebook account, your tweets, your emails, your heart? That's the problem. So how is it with you? Let me give you three last questions. Maybe the Holy Spirit will take one of them. What does your online behavior reveal about you? What do your posts, your tweets, your emails, your online history, the sites you visit, the pages you view, what do they reveal about your heart? Number two, have you considered that your online behavior might cause a person to stumble in their faith? Have you even considered that? You know, as a pastor of Hope Church, my online behavior has an impact on Hope Church. Um, I... I I don't often, and this is just me, and I'm just trying to tell you kind of how I, I run my life. There are times I'd love to say certain things, write a letter to the editor, and I wouldn't be a jerk about it, but there would be times I would like write it. But you know I won't do it, and the reason I won't do it is because if people say Matt Collins wrote this, well, wait, he's the pastor of Hope Church, that's their position. It's not the church's position, so I don't. sometimes I just don't feel like I should uh, share maybe a personal thought that I have that doesn't represent the church. So I'm thinking, the point I want you to say, see is, I'm thinking about how my behavior affects the body of Christ. But you know what? I'm, you're the senior pastor, pa- Pastor Matt. That's the way you ought to think. But you know what? Here's what I think. I think the Bible says that you need to be careful about offending another brother or sister. And some of you have posts and you brag about behavior that, I've got to be honest with you, sometimes it looks... A little worldly. 
it looks a little kind of like, really? And, 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 and people know that you're maybe a leader or you're, you're a regular attender of Hope Church. And they go, man, I, I don't get that behavior. I don't, I, uh, yeah, you, you say, Pastor, now you, you stop preaching and now you're prying. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you love Jesus Christ, have you considered what you're posting? And by the way, we just stopped posting what you ate for lunch. I don't really care. <laughs> I'm actually not on Facebook, but <laughs> I live vicariously through Carol's account. Uh, I'll tell you a quick. Uh, I'll tell you something funny. I, I think it's funny. Maybe you won't, and that's fine because I get to talk and you don't. But. Um, <laughs> So Carol has an, a Facebook account. I don't. I don't really have time. And I find it sometimes I'm looking and I just, you know, keep going and going and going. And 10 minutes is gone. 15 minutes is gone. Whatever. But there are times where I'll post something, a comment. And uh, hmm, there's a couple friends that know that Carol did not say that. <laughs> and they'll say, this isn't Carol. This is Matt. And I go, well, yeah, it was me. <laughs> Carol. Carol uh, doesn't appreciate me posting in her Facebook, so I'm banned from it now, I think. The, the question I want to ask you is, is your online behavior, is it bringing glory to God and honor to Christ and his church or not? See, James says your words, well, your words now are recorded. Fifty years from now, people are going to see those pictures, they're going to see those words, they're Jesus says every word. <laughs> he didn't just say the words that you speak. Every word you're going to have to give an account to. Well, let's be careful. Uh, one of my favorite Proverbs, and I'll close with this one, says this. A man is seen as wise until he opens his mouth. Right? Let our words be used to encourage and to build up. Let our posts, our tweets, our emails, let's think about them. Let's not randomly throw thoughts out there that just are just dumb thoughts and hard and harsh. Let's think before we tweet, post. Let's, let's be careful about what we're doing online. Stand with me. Let's pray. So, Father... Thank you for the technology that we have today. It's an amazing opportunity, but it also, because humans are involved, <laughs> there's, there's a real potential for some dark things and some uh, behavior that is improper. Sometimes, Father, it's because we're hidden. And we say and do things that we would never do if we were face-to-face with a person. Uh, there's so much more we could talk about, Father, but essentially what it comes down to is Every one of us needs our heart healed. Our hearts are hurting. Our hearts have been hurt. Our hearts are protective. Our hearts don't really want to change and want to um, deal with some issues that we have. So we put up walls and we deny truth sometimes when it comes to us from caring people. May our words, though, Father, build up rather than tear down. May they bring healing rather than causing wounds. May they bring hope rather than discouragement. 
And may they bring glory to you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name.